Hey, you're listening to Angel Nears, the podcast. Angel Nears is a Silicon Valley community for startup builders, where founders and operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Oleg Kujikov, and our guest today is Aras Toker, the founder and CEO of Peace of Mind, an anti-burnout resilience coaching platform. I'm excited to have Aras on today to talk about redesigning digital mental health from the lens of holistic approaches to workplace well-being. Before we get into all that, Aras, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg, for having me, and I'm excited to chat with you guys. Let's get started. I, I, want, I always like starting these interviews uh, with a little bit about the guests. So tell us about your background. How did you get started as an entrepreneur? Sure. Uh, a little background. I grew up in Istanbul, originally from Turkey, and came here to the U.S. for college. Got to stay more than I thought I would stay. Uh, so got to experience in my past life, I call it, I started my career in uh, finance in Wall Street. I actually experienced my initial experience on burnout. I uh, got a interesting time in 2008 in Wall Street, financial crisis. I had a not so stable uh, work visa, let's put it that way, the least uh, interesting way of saying it. Uh, but yeah, all, kind of a perfect storm to get it in a burnout kind of um, uh, emotions and which then led to a chronic disease. I actually had to deal with, uh, deal with a chronic disease called Crohn's disease for about a decade, multiple surgeries. But the, the reason I bring that up is actually that led me to um, peek around the idea about what solutions there could be. And, and I tried my own body, for example, <laughs> to actually kind of overcome some of the challenges, did a lot of lifestyle changes to improve my health, both mental and physical. But then I, you know, stint in entrepreneurship kind of started naturally after that, where I discovered where I can actually, you know, gather groups of people that who has chronic diseases or who already went through some burnout sensations uh, with, uh, you know, try to help people with this community that I built back in 2017, which then led to uh, start my own initial company, not peace of mind, what the, the one before called Sync. And uh, the idea has been super interesting to kind of see if we can actually create a marketplace where we can connect these doctors to the, to the patients. Uh, all in all, like the entrepreneurship wasn't something that I thought I had, but having gone through these personal experiences got really, uh, made me really motivated about uh, helping others who possibly can be going through some of those challenges. And, and we can talk about peace of mind, but specifically, I think these uh, perfect storm in 2008 that got me to start thinking about how do I improve my life, which then led to be an entrepreneur to solve some of these problems for larger groups of people. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think uh, let's go right into peace of mind. Like, talk about the problem that peace of mind is trying to solve and maybe tell me like, the, you know, what's different uh, from sync. I think, uh, so basically, uh, it's an anti-burnout resilience coaching platform that we build. We essentially help colleagues in high pressure jobs gain resilient skills to curb burnout. I think this is very much a, a group effort as opposed to most of the self-guided mental health apps out there that are focused on individualistic methods. They will say, okay, well, like download this app and you'll do some meditation, you'll be fine, which we are seeing that there's very low utilization in those kind of uh, methods. Whereas Palm, peace of mind we call Palm as well, uh, is very much designed to solve the burnout problem with group coaching accountability and team cohesion. These are the things that we built in the design of the product. Uh, and we do this in a six week uh, course. 
uh, with them curriculum, but also live gatherings that we do. But essentially, the biggest differentiator is that that group effort with uh, uh, with the coaching is the biggest differentiator as opposed to one on one coaching or just doing self guided apps like meditation or therapy. Let, let's start with burnout and resiliency. Can you just like because it sounds like you're you're trying to address burnout across industries. You know, I, I personally I work in healthcare tech, and burnout mm-hmm. is something that's huge in healthcare, right? But you, it seems like this is wider than that. So, can you talk about just burnout in general, and and maybe what's resiliency um, the, next to that? Absolutely. So, I think burnout has been an interesting uh, experience. Like, like I think from again from the personal experience, what I went through. It could, you could consider that maybe, oh, it's a one-off and not everybody goes through burnout. But we've done some research, especially did a lot of interviews with, um, at, the, at the onset of our start of a peace of mind, like talking to HR leaders, founders, how they experience stress and how is that manifesting. A lot of times burnout is very much tied to uh, overwhelm and as well as uh, feeling behind in a lot of these tasks and a never-ending never sensation of, how do we actually could have o- overcome uh, this feeling that is it's basically a chronic thing, right? It's like we were actually experiencing on an ongoing basis. And the reason I think it's become more prevalent is after the pandemic, we as humans try to wear multiple hats and we didn't have to uh, ch- you know deal with some of these challenges. Parents went through like you know having colds while they had to do some parenting at home. All these. Um, kind of trying to figure out uh, how we actually cope up with this stress kind of made it more prevalent and people started to express it more. But when we look at specific data, and there is an amazing Gallup research that was recently run about 2,000 employees, they've seen that 76% of the people actually experience burnout at some level. And that's, um, that's 113 million people in the US. If you look at the workforce, it's about 160 million people 113 million is experiencing at some level and what we're seeing is that what's the underlying impact of organizations okay we care about the individuals burnout but what does that mean for the companies and that's reduction of productivity loss essentially and turnover are the two main factors and that's costing about 190 million billion dollars and yes not everything is tied to burnout that is causing that productivity loss or turnover that there's a big correlation we're seeing in the science behind on uh, how that's impacting for employees and why is it urgent like i mean that's also interesting burnout yes it's it's a catchy thing everybody's trying to do something in this space but there is a lot of actions people have taken whether it's great resignation you call it quiet quitting people have started to think about how what's the future of work is going to be like and what is that going to mean for people and specifically to healthcare uh, organizations like you mentioned uh, like we are very interested about that space even though our initial uh kind of niche hasn't been that market just yet but i've been having conversations with healthcare systems there there are specific folks that are tasked with improving the retention numbers in their nurses and physicians because they're mostly burnout uh how do they actually figure this out and i think programs like ours that are unique in the sense that it's a more kind of group efforts to be able to measure uh specifically about resilience and uh it is it's really resonating for those folks as well and we're trying to close on a couple of those as, as we speak but i just want to touch on resilience uh, for a second 
why we think it's an antidote to burnout is very much uh, the approach about mental health in general is very much stigmatized and still is, even though we are talking about more. We don't want to necessarily associate if people have an anxiety or depression or any specific condition. In our model, we believe that everyone can benefit from a more resilient workforce. I think from that perspective, our approach has been teams resilience. How do we actually elevate everyone's resilience in the organization? For that, we need to gather the people in a meaningful way and offer this um, resilience training and coaching in a, in, a, um, in a cadence that actually builds specific skills uh, that will make them resilient. For example, uh, you know, there is self-compassionate body scan that we do, interactive yoga sessions. We do um, a mindfulness exercises together as a group. And why do we do that is very much to learn as a group so then build that community of practice to be able to then continue in our own stressful times in front of right in front of an uh, important meeting, maybe we can do some of those exercises and actually embody those uh, skills. So that's essentially what the value of our kind of a group um, methodology is. But I just want to touch on the resilience that it's, it's an important factor to be able to solve for the burnout problem. Can you keep talking about that? Like, wh what do we mean by resiliency here? What yeah. Yeah, great, great. Let's uh, kind of dive deeper in this. Um, so for us, our research is actually very much, and when we started the company, uh, I started the co-founder of the company with a doctor, a naturopathic doctor. She's incredible, actually, in this space, not only just passionate about, you know, resiliency, but also how do we actually look at this more holistically, right? Instead of just pinpointing into mental health or specifically like physical health that people have, and need help, but how do we actually look at this holistically, right? Our approach has been always um, these kind of, uh, we actually broke it down to four pillars. So how do we actually be more resilient? Uh, and, and looking at those four pillars are very much about movement of the body, uh, nutrition, is there's a direct correlation with what we eat and how we actually uh, feel. And, and there's a whole nutritional psychiatry, which is a very fascinating subject in of itself. Uh, mindset is very important. How do we actually establish that growth mindset that, you know, in those down times and days, how do we actually, you know, get us, get, get ourselves back and there are specific exercises that we do to be able to, um, uh, you know, embody those. Last but not least, sleep is such an important piece for us to be able to kind of protect our sleep. Having those six to seven and eight hours of sleep, how do we actually make sure that uh, we protect that and so that we, the next day, we are better decision makers and we don't necessarily create that environment that where we can fall into burnout. Again, burnout doesn't happen overnight. It's a, a repetitive thing over and over again. And we have, our job is to create that systems in place to make sure that people actually uh, curb that burnout uh, feeling and, and, uh, you use, use these resiliency uh, skill building exercises to be able to kind of protect themselves and have, th have those be the boundaries, essentially. Next, let's talk about group coaching versus individual. Like, why that approach? Why go with the group? Because there's other, uh, you know, offerings out there that, that focus more on individual coaching. Can, so can you talk about that? Sure. I think that's the, the core of what we're doing at Peace of Mind. 
to be honest, I think there's, like I said earlier, there's so many amazing uh, looking apps out there that I use some of them too myself and from mindfulness apps like Headspace or Calm or some of the uh, self-guided apps that have really good content as well. But I think when, when I talk to HR leaders, again, uh, this was very interesting discovery at this early onset of the company, I had about 100 plus uh, interviews and all, almost all of them said that you know, these apps are not being utilized by the employees. When I asked about specific numbers, they were talking about single digit engagements, five, six, seven percent engagement rates, uh, utilization rates, right? So like, we're curious about why is that? And the more we asked about that, and the more we talked to uh, the employees themselves and myself, I was an employee too. I worked at uh, startups and larger companies too. This utilization of wellness benefits is very much um, just because it's free, that doesn't mean it gets utilized. And from the company's perspective, oh, we offer something, it's onus is on the person to take an action, is a model that is not necessarily showing, in our opinion, that the, the, de the depth of care that uh, companies can do. I think they can definitely do more than that. Yes, we're asking a lot from maybe the companies, but I think to close the loop, why we believe in group coaching is very much at the root of establishing trust. And I think when we establish trust through this um, health and wellness coach that very much a nationally board certified individual that we uh, handpick, very tedious process of uh, selecting our health coaches and what their um, job is very much probing these questions to that small groups of eight to 10 people and their colleagues, there are, um, they have context amongst like how they work, but what we bring is out of work context in those conversations and we get to learn about each other a little bit more and maybe create a space for people to open up if they're interested and this is not that it's not a venting session this is not a therapy but if we create that space for them to be able to do that too at the root of it just to answer that question that and it's such a, a rudimentary thing that uh, that sense of belonging and trust is being established on these weekly calls in a six-week program that at the end, when we ask people at week five, week six, or at the end, uh, we do surveys about why people actually did show up on week five or week six continuously. And they said that they get to learn a little bit more about their colleagues and get the sense that some of them are actually committing to uh, some of these behavior changes that they we kind of bring on the, uh, within the program, uh, whether it's mindfulness exercises or meditation or whatnot. The fact that other ones are doing it created a group accountability that also uh, like leads into a more cohesive environment, uh, whether they work actually on the same team, let's say they're on the same sales team or cross-functionally they, they interact, it just created that uh, deeper level of connection, which specifically for remote teams, I want to underline this, this is such a huge, um, could have been an early discovery that for us, Remote and, and, and hybrid teams have been utilizing our pro, uh, product a lot more than just kind of um, full-on, you know, in-office folks. The reason being that they are lacking that social connection that it came up from the interviews as well as uh, some of the, like, uh, the surveys that we've done afterwards, the, the participants, and that created that again, that, I, okay, I want to show up on those weekly calls because all of a sudden, it's not just something a company is pushing me to do. I actually want to join these. I'm getting the benefits of uh, feeling more resilient, getting some tactics, some small nuggets of ways to, to uh, get myself more resilient so that I don't burn out. 
uh, but also I get to learn and interact with my teammates and that I would have not, not done in a regular team meeting. So these are kind of interesting ways that why we chose uh, group coaching versus the individual effort uh, that uh, almost 95% of the market is very much um, using those, whether it's individual coaching or individual you know, therapy or, or things like that, and just um, leaves the person who is going through the burnout in a very difficult phase because they have to then take in a new action to change a behavior that is difficult to do to begin with. But in that mindset of overwhelm and stress and burnout, you're most likely not going to take an action, which the reason why some of those apps are not being utilized. I do think the, the self-guided apps, there's a lot of value there, but it's interesting to hear that they're not being utilized. Mm -hmm. And we talked to a lot of different companies too. I mean, it's first, I didn't want to be myopic about this. Like I just looking at specific data or oh, it's favoring my hypothesis. Let me take that. We talked to a lot of different organizations too. And, and when we asked like, okay, why are you still keeping them? Right. That's a valid question. Well, they're saying that the alternatives are specifically, let's look at the mental health space, employee assistant programs, uh, those 1-800 numbers that people don't tend to call are very much utilized by 1% or 2% of the population, right? So then if you come in as a meditation app and you're showing 5-6%, oh, you are 3x, you know, EAP. So then you look better. But then in, in general, in all honesty, when we talk to people, it's, it's subpar performance, but then it's better than the alternative and there's nothing really at a, at a um, scalable level, there's nothing that is, uh, that is highly utilized. And that's the general industry problem, in my opinion. But I think the solution, it has to be uh, with people, with humans, that we can actually do this collectively, as opposed to individualistically. So like, I think that's, again, a hypothesis that has some validation with some of the customers that we brought on. And I want to obviously scale that to a, a larger, um, way but you know that's that's a differentiator factor for for palm definitely and it, and and it definitely sounds like that is kind of the um the gap that you're trying to to address in the mental health market right now yep can you talk can you talk about more about resiliency i know we already talked about resiliency but uh, when, when it comes to addressing burnout as a problem why build resiliency versus treat it can you speak to to that idea mm -hmm. yeah building resiliency is uh, uh, essentially a more of a habit you know when we talk about these kind of uh guardrails or boundaries that we talk about to protect ourselves from um burnout well we have that we have to have a substance and what does that mean because it may sound vague like okay resiliency what's that well there are specific exercises that will make a person more resilient and resiliency is very much tied about uh, with um, controlling your stress level, right? So a little bit of stress is actually healthy. If you don't have any stress in our lives, we'll be bored and there's no stimulation. And that goes same goes for animals too. Uh, we have to have a healthy levels of stress. But when it comes troublesome is when we don't, we have an overwhelming amount of stress that is off the charts and we don't have a way to kind of push the brake button, if you will. It's the gas pedal is always on. And and this goes even, I go to the level of, even if you like what you're doing, if you're enjoying the work, that doesn't mean you will, you will not get burned out. This is not about just, uh, it's almost about the physical capacity uh, to be able to kind of, um, and we, we uh, in our workshops, we always talk about 
the, the deposits, the energy deposits that we have to do to keep us more resilient and to avoid burnout. So what it's almost like a bank account thing, if you think about that analogy that we've been actually withdrawing a lot, these all these triggers that we have at work, there's a lot of demands, and then we try to deal with other stuff that are stressors in our life, whether it's kids or, or whatnot. And when we're dealing with that, are we doing enough energy deposits to actually kind of get our balance, checking balance, uh, to like balance that, right? So we don't. And that's what I think we need these exercises to kind of intervene here. That's why it matters to protect the sleep so that we at night, at, you know, regenerate and rest our bodies to be able to kind of uh, get that energy back. I think uh, it all ties together. And that's why the holistic approach is, I think, a big factor here that we're taking as the as the core of uh, palm experience because it's not just mental health it's not just doing mental uh, exercises or mindfulness exercises although that's really powerful too but in of itself mindfulness exercise is not going to prevent burnout right when we have to look at it holistically and when we have to actually embody some of these uh these these experiences then a person will become more resilient and i think in our definition in our definition like very much resiliency is um that uh that person that actually embodies these habit forming changes that they've done it on an ongoing basis and now they feel like they know they want to stay in that uh, state of mind and on state of being so that and it's not like you're resilient you're done rest of your life it's not like riding a bike right so you have to exercise you have to keep practicing these and i think at the core of it at, at what we're trying to achieve by palm is to give them a glimpse of that in that six-week program and after that we actually continue our uh, whether it's bi-monthly coaching or monthly coaching with the same group if they want we can continue that with the coach uh, so that we can practice these skills on and get specifically uh, to an area that they may be interested in, say mindfulness, they want to kind of double down on that. We can continue get more personalized um, coaching, group coaching on those uh, particular uh, topics. But yeah, I think I, I love that you're digging in with me with this a resiliency concept. But it's a very interesting uh, work, body of work that has been I've been researching, but also I've experienced it myself. Coming back to the personal story. I mean, I've used all the medicine to co kind of overcome or at least deal with the Crohn's disease and all the uh, complications that it brought in my life. But what, how I got out of it, and I'm proud to say that I reversed the condition, is I don't have any symptoms right now, is the lifestyle changes that I've done and in an ongoing way. And I know that I can't quit doing it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll go back because I, uh, I've actually kind of tested that a little bit too. Uh, interest, interest, because you, you're curious, right? Like you're like, okay, let's see if I slack a little bit and what happens? I, I start seeing uh, symptoms of that again. So all to say, it's a massive kind of habit forming change that we're asking here. Right? It's one of the toughest not to crack in behavior changes that. But, you know, when we ask people to work hard and organizations are saying that we're giving them great money and like they're just we ask them to work hard and just kind of perform but at what cost and we always want to ask that question and i think in as individuals we can protect ourselves from these uh, burnout prone environments by doing some of these uh, resilient skill building exercises otherwise inaction will lead to a burnout as we talked about 76 percent of the workforce is experiencing some level of burnout at the moment and it's troublesome and we need to do something 
there could be other other actions to be taken, but I think our approach is very much more organizational change that we can actually um, stem from this, as opposed to just caring for the individual and their own resilience. We're actually thinking about organizations resilience which then can prosper into the productivity and and um, uh, engagement of the employees yeah and then that will lead to the uh, performance and as well as revenue for the company as well so we can do that correlation yeah it's, i like how you're connecting the performance of the company the organization and then the mm -hmm. performance of the individuals in the organization they do kind of like go hand in hand right so um, yep. it's kind of interesting to look at it from that perspective talk about the origin story next like i, I know you you've, you've talked about your personal story how the how burnout affected you um in your life mm -hmm. um was that t tell me more about like what led to starting peace of mind was it was it dealing with that challenge or you know you mentioned doing lots of research did you have a moment where you know you 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 know had an aha and and said yeah. This is a company. Like, how did that? How did that start? Yeah, it's always interesting, right? The origin stories are. I love listening to them when I'm reading a biography or listening to podcasts. I'm always curious why people kind of take an action, uh, start something um, against all odds sometimes, right? So, like, I think for me, yes, those personal uh, experiences really was the fuel to uh, you know get me going. And I talked about Sync, the previous startup. Uh, we try to like test out, see uh, if we can actually connect these chronically ill patients with doctors that are more kind of the kind of holistic and more functional medicine uh, space. And yeah, the business model didn't work because it was only affluent people were able to afford this, insurance didn't cover these. That From that perspective, there was no product market fit. And, and that's why we stopped the company. But what I really took away from that experience was we actually built this very strong community. I mean, there was like 10,000 people here just like the way that we engage with them. Again, something that I reap the benefits of social support uh, or, or like, you know, peer support at as I was kind of overcoming the condition. But uh, I wanted to build that for people as well. What I realized in that is that uh, people actually wanted to be heard and wanted to be um, nudged a little bit to change their behaviors. And then coming back to that accountability factor, when we actually did match with people with uh, others or small groups, they were actually engaged a lot more. They were actually doing some of the exercises that we were prompting them to. My whole like ex learning from that experience has been really positive that I took away to peace of mind now. And, and you know, tying back to the original story about just Palm in general is a perfect storm in the middle of pandemic, you know, I was going through a lot of um, stressors, even though I was not feeling any ill. Like I'm, I'm, I'm super healthy, I'm super motivated, but I got to, uh, I think I lost my job because of the pandemic. I was consulting here and there. And, uh, and I started to play with this idea about, uh, you know, resilience and uh, the burnout issues. It's a lot more prevalent. We're wearing multiple hats as individuals that we haven't done in the past, at, all at the same time anyways. And work and life has been super much integrated into each other, sometimes a good way, sometimes bad. Uh, and, and the more I could have put the pieces together of this puzzle that I knew at the core of it, we need to kind of redesign work. 
and I and I, this is not just about future of work. All right, we're just going to have hybrids, and we're going to go to offices. We're not. We're going to work from home. It's beyond that, right? Like I think it's at the core of it. What got me that aha moment was okay. Yes, we can help people individually get better, create those boundaries. Uh, but can we do more? Can this be a catalyst? And me, I'm not going to like change the cultures of organizations by ourselves, right? This is not, this is like, uh, let's not, it's, it'll be a utopic world. But I think what we can be as a catalyst in, in progressive, more forward-thinking companies is, hey, we are doing a resilience training for your workforce. But guess what? This group of people, after that training, they're going to have a lot closer ties amongst each other. And um, we can then build uh, an organization that, you know, establishes more trust and belonging and that cares about the, the company. I think that that's what the vision of uh, the started on those days in late 2020 is, all right, there is something bigger here. Yes, we're going to be nimble and kind of uh, focus on our niche of, you know, just do resilience training, do uh, focus on how to change behaviors of individuals in and in a kind of a group setting. But if you ask me kind of like the, the bigger impact we can do to our society is that we have to redesign work and what, whatever that means for people, not just workplace or like physical office, but redesign work in the sense that when we want people to do something as CEOs or, uh, you know, leaders, at what cost? Or how are we, you know, what are the things that taxes people's bodies and, and mental health? Uh, and let's break, bake that in the equation and create environments that will protect people, but yet still ask them to perform because, you know, people do want to perform. They want to be prosperous and then successful, improve themselves. There's no question about that, but you have to make sure that it has to be in the right environment for them to be able to uh, not only engage, but also perform at those levels. And I think that's super motivating for me. We start playing with the idea with my doctor friend and we kind of experimented around uh, building a program uh, that is six weeks with her guidance and also uh, she designed the, the intricacies and the, the details of the program. How do we actually reduce stress and how do we look at this more holistically? And that's what the initial kind of idea about uh, uh, resilience training kind of was born. And now a year and a half later, more or less, uh, we went through a couple of accelerator programs uh, we've been super successful in the in the way we went to market. It was a little different um, in in the sense that we didn't really knock on the doors of HR leaders and say, "Hey guys, like offer this as a wellness benefit," like all the other companies are doing. Our go-to-market strategy has been very focused on most burnout, most uh, burnout-prone teams, sales, operations, uh, customer success. That then we went to those leaders. In a, in a high growth environment, think about series A, B, B around companies or enterprises that have those kind of uh, very um, stressed out business units. We go after them as opposed to blanketed offering for the entire company. We go after them, uh, those uh, teams, and then have that be the, uh, have them be the evangelist for the rest of the organizations. And we're seeing glimpses of that at this kind of early onset uh, of, of our kind of, you know, expansion within the, within the enterprises. But how do you measure, you know, how this is working? How do you measure yeah. efficacy? Uh, great, great question. Yeah, thanks for asking that because I'm a big, big believer in this. And this is not a, 
this should not be about just feelings. This is not should be about, oh, okay, Oleg says he feels better after a pump program or RS says, okay, you know, he's like, you know, rated me like whatever, nine out of 10. It's, it's important for those, some of those NPS numbers, let's say, but we are very keen on measuring the efficacy of POM. And that for that reason, we actually do a 20 question questionnaire at the beginning of the program before they start. And those questions are very much gold standard questions that have been asked by psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and some coaches that are uh, that ask about their lifestyles from their eating habits to sleep. And we, our goal at, that, at the end of that is we build an algorithm that spits out a specific score, we call the POM score, peace of mind score, that shows how resilient or burned out that individual is. And again, that, num that number we cannot share with the, the team leaders, but what we do is if it's, let's say a group of 20, and then we uh, aggregate that overall score and then tell the, the C-level person or the team leader, hey, currently uh, your, your team's peace of mind score is, is this. And we do that at the end of the program, which in uh, six weeks later, essentially. And at the end, we show the delta between the two and to be able to show that, okay, we were able to increase their resilience by 20%, we were able to reduce their burnout by X amount of percent, right? So then the team leader has a, a meaningful output on their hand after going through or utilizing this tool in their toolkit, they were able to kind of then uh, figure out, not just be able to measure, but also do an impact of their team's overall resilience. I think that's what I'm something that we built uh, in our overall product experience is that keen on exploring how efficacious this program is. And we can always improve on that. I'm, I'm thinking of diff different ideas on it, whether we can do some sensors that are actually looking specific bodily uh, inputs. Uh, but at the moment, it's very much the, uh, the, the gold standards questions that they, you know, people and the industry is asking too. And we're kind of garnered our own um, kind of ways of asking those questions without overwhelming the, the user. We didn't want to inundate them with like hundreds of questions. We kept it at 20, a manageable amount. I think that we, um, some of the competitors are doing a lot, a lot more detailed questions, which sounds good, like as far as the data, but also we want to make sure that the users are very much, uh, actually answering these questions. And I think we have a good, um, good, good, uh, you know, way of, actually measuring this POM score, and it's a key data point that, that we make our judgments on how the product is actually um, improving their, their overall health, but also like gives, them a, a, gives the team leaders and individuals a data point that they can say, okay, I can improve upon this. I've, I've increased 20% or 15% uh, my resilience, but perhaps I can continue on this and we can get uh, more granular data as well. So that's how we, that's how we measure. Next, I, I want to kind of combine two. So the next question is like about timing. Why is now the right timing for your company? I also want to mention from earlier, we, we kind of said the tailwinds of the stay at home era seem to be getting less strong these days. Uh, if you look at, you know, Zoom or Peloton stocks, those are going down. So what does that mean for your company? And talk about timing. Why is now the right time for this uh, technology? Let's look at it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned about the origin story, the pandemic and all that. Yes, Zoom was crazy. Now that there's stocks and everything is going down, right? So like, okay, so that uh, I'll give you that, of course. But also, if the goal, goal is very much about 
you know, understanding the, you know, uh, why are we staying home and why are we coming back to the office? And if you're redesigning work, you know, at that moment, we'd really have to ask about why we should actually do live gatherings, whether it's online or in person. Uh, I think that's the key step here that uh, I don't think people are going to say, oh, I don't want to do Zoom meetings anymore or Zoom. There's a Zoom fatigue, which I agree. That's the thing. But the context matters. And when we call our live gatherings, we call it the unwind hour. Essentially, the company is giving that hour back to the employee to uh, to unwind together. And that's essentially the message that we want the C-level folks to be able to portray uh, and also share with their teams. And if that's the context is different, I think whether it's experienced online or in person, which we're very keen on doing uh, half-day uh, retreats that we can come into the office with our coach, we can actually run our POM program lessons mm. uh, in, a, in, a, in a, a meaningful way, and we can tie it around other other um, kind of wellness or well-being-related uh, workshops. So that way we can actually make a bigger impact. Again, that could be a reason to show up in the office too. As we're redesigning this, why people show up in the office if you're going to be on a zoom call every day all day what's the point of in person you know show ups right so i think we have to design this in a way that it makes sense so on tuesdays we're going to do uh you know certain exercises that will actually make those individuals not necessarily just like oh i showed up to office we did some exercises but actually get get them to feel closer I think that's why it's important. Now, the second question that you mentioned about uh, the timing, why now? I, I mean, I don't think there's any better time. I honestly don't think so because, yes, pandemic made it a lot more prevalent and people are somewhat destigmatized, even though I still believe that there's a lot of stigma around mental health. Uh, but when it comes to burnout, they started to talk about it a lot more openly. But there is this thing we cannot... Uh, whether we believe it or not, there is a great resignation. I know market is difficult right now. A lot of people are losing their jobs. Saying that I have the luxury to leave my own job sounds a little bit of um, unrealistic, but there are a lot of people actually have done this. They did quit or they did actually think about quitting. Uh, if they're still hanging around, they may be just underperforming or just getting by. Now, all to say, the reason I think is a, in the, a great time is that some of the things that I alluded earlier, that how do we actually, for the first time, I think, we really deep dive, think about, let's rebuild this uh, engine that we call the work, workplace. And what's the output going to be the, the, that is most efficient? Uh, I think this is the time we do that. As we still try to figure out the hybrid model and remote, in-person, mandate them, not mandate them. Uh, and in the kind of, you know, in this realm of figuring it out, I think we can interject ourselves as a, not just the resilience training platform. I think we could be a lot more than that. We want to be playing in the cultural change in the organizations. And whether it's the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, kind of uh, play where we actually, you know, make people uh, feel like they belong to this organization a lot more. It doesn't happen overnight obviously but we do certain exercises and workshops that does that and i think those are the reasons why why we believe that timing is incredibly right right now and you mentioned you started this company with a naturopathic doctor yep. why that <laughs> what went into that yeah she was uh well she's a good friend as well as uh like i needed a person that also can 
uh, clinically, she's an expert and in mental health too, as well as the naturopathic science. So like, I think uh, from that perspective, you know, one thing to have a personal experience to kind of go through, the other is to be able to actually have evidence-based content to be able to um, convey uh, to people that there's a curriculum. And then that's what she was able to design and build that content. Now, she's been a super busy person. She has her own patients as well as she does research. So she's actually more of a um, kind of uh, took a you know uh, backstage right now, um, you know backseat as, if you will. And but at the same time, we build this team with uh, coaches that um, very much at the core of the product because we want to protect that human element. This is not just going to be with chatbots or and kind of. Uh, robots and things like that to be able to run if you're going deep down onto like behavior changes we need that human human touch and i think that group coaching element will stay uh and also there are product folks that uh that are product design um team that has been a you know, very much involved in thinking about human-centered design when we look at how do we actually uh change behaviors by using people and and having people at the center of this and we have folks that have been Stanford ideal backgrounds uh, that are actually um, leading the product product team. And I think these are the, the reasons why we think that our team is strong, but also or do we have the right people in the, in the ship, if you will, or the bus, I don't know what the term is. <laughs> but uh, I think I always feel like so far it's been an amazing ride. And of course, as we scale the company, we love to have uh, different individuals that can bring different skill sets. We have an amazing advisory board, whether it's um, clinical experts or organizational psychologists that, uh, or mental health advocates. There's uh, incredible people that have been um, spokes spokespersons for us or evangelists, I should say. Um, so I'm very lucky to be able to kind of form this team that is very um, much believer in this concept of resiliency as well as group coaching methodology it sounds like you have a great group talk about your business model making money how do you make money yeah it's uh yeah let's shift gears like we talked about the meaning the all the uh why aha moment origin story we're all this all i'm passionate about clearly but also like okay is this a, a can we can we make money off of this right so i mean of course yeah yeah let's talk about business i mean we talk about go-to-market strategy how different it is but let's see how we actually What's our approach on making money? I think, uh, so we, we got in the space knowing that there's a massive competition uh, at different levels, right? Like there's unicorns out there. They're doing like across the board solutions, including severe mental health conditions uh, and people that have just mild conditions. And we are like, they're, they're offerings that are, you know, across the spectrum. You can say, okay, we don't need like any other solutions yet, right? Like, I, but I explained why we're different and that's what I think compelling with for some of the um, organizations. Now, how do we make money? Um, I think, so going to companies and offering our solution as a um, kind of resilience training for their workforce and we go directly to the sales team or operations team and, and again, uh, and knock on their doors. And the goal is again, just to get that pilot to actually have them experience this. And we charge uh, a per employee a price uh, for, for that minimum of 10 employees is what we ask for them to come through a resilience training. And if they have, let's say 30, uh, and then we can break them into three groups of 10s uh, so that we have, you know, 
don't have this kind of webinar style uh, Zoom. So we keep the eight to 10 people minimum uh, group. And, and again, that's maximum two at the same time. So it's very much designed that everybody feels like they have uh, in, but also it's not overwhelming amount of people. And coming back to the specific numbers, yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing uh, a lot of interest from, from companies. We're seeing about 60% uh, profit margin for our business. And uh, yeah, business model is very much keen on um, getting those trainings to be able to um, to be able to run as a pilot. But again, for longevity of our business, we want to make sure that we have the SaaS model, uh, software as a service. So after the pilots, can we actually retain them? How much the stickiness of the product? Uh, can we actually run a um, kind of a monthly coaching afterwards? And uh, luckily, we were able to convert 75% of our customers into a um, recurring revenue model. Um, that that's a promising thing from the business perspective. And again, we got we got long ways to prove um, further success in our business. But I think it's early glimpses of what we're seeing for people to continue after the six weeks is promising for me as a founder first and as, a, as our business and talking to the investors as well has been super interesting. And uh, that way we can actually kind of tout this. And again, network effects will happen within the organizations. If the sales team went through it and if their counterparts or other organizations within the, within the, uh, the, the business, they will hear this. And then some of them actually shared on the Slack channels. They said they, they've, they've been actually evangelizing without even ask, asking. Yes, we have probing questions that, you know, gets that going, but I think it's incredible to be able to see that those are the kind of the some of the markers for me that gives me hope that there's a sustainable business behind this we're using the in individuals themselves as the evangelist to kind of um, kind of branch out within the organizations as opposed to here's a kind of a mandated training or here's a blanketed wellness benefit for everybody those two methods uh, even though you may get utilization or um, you may get like a, a lot of money from that contract. I think it's it's prone to be more underutilized, as for the reasons that I explained before. Yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting. Last question here for me: What do you think are the biggest trends to look out for uh, in digital mental health care and workplace well-being in the next few years? What a timely question, <laughs> because I actually you you won't believe this. And last week, I think like. Um, maybe 10 days ago, I'm not sure exactly, U.S. Surgeon General issued a framework, a 30-page document actually, talks about specifically about workplace well-being and how core it is uh, in, this, in the well-being of individuals. So we spend about eight hours at work, some people more. How do we actually, they literally uh, put together a five pillar kind of this uh, really cool imagery. And yes, there is like a, a things about you know, protection or safety of the employee. That's one of them too, of course, if you're like a physical job. But the number two in that is connection and community. And they're really doubling down on this and saying that, you know, sense of belonging and uh, social support is such an important uh, element for people to be um, not to burn out. They specifically use those words too. And when I was reading it, I was like, wow. And the, the, I'm not surprised that it's the case, but the Surgeon General asked, you know, saying this, that we have to prioritize workplace well-being is such an important uh, 
milestone because you know we went through a pandemic and the, you know in, in the commentary he's actually specifically saying this is the right time at the outset of a pandemic yet it's not really completely over but we kind of managed to learn how to live with it how do we actually talk about you know prioritizing workplace well-being with these elements of community and connection why the work matters of the people that do it and how do we actually uh, healthy uh, ways of uh, in integrating work and life and uh, these are all at the core of this kind of 30 page framework and guidance and uh, to me there is no other I and mean, there's a lot of other trends that i'm seeing but that was like wow and i loved uh i love to obviously reference that in a, in a podcast like this but in, in different ways it is kind of uh, becoming um kind of the north star and essentially that i'm super aligned with that even like two years ago when i was having that aha moment that we need to redesign work i think implementations like this guidances like this have been you know fueling that overall ambition and that's what i'm i think super pumped up right now about this space uh, that is ripe and also needs to change and we all know it as exciting as it is like okay you know uh we can improve people's uh, lives and digital health is you know interesting uh but yet we need to figure out ways to actually engage this product and i think one of the biggest thing that we can do uh, in the healthcare space is digital health specifically is showing that utilization numbers showing that engagement of the people that they actually shows that they care about this and and i know it's difficult because people are you know don't tend to really care about them their well-being as much unless they're kind of put in this kind of uh container let's call it and that they actually see others even though intuitively they they should right like they care about their health but they don't necessarily prioritize um so i think it, you know shining light into this kind of spotlighting that in, in in front of them with other people uh i think and having that uh, hearing that from a surgeon general is also a great validation for me so yeah that was um that's the only one i would i want to highlight right now for as far as a trend yeah 100 percent. really exciting stuff like like you said the source of the information is really interesting it seems like the right time i, I like how you uh put it all together there happy um, to share that link by the way if you want to put on the either show notes i'm not sure if that's something that you guys do so okay no yeah we'll do that uh we'll put it in the show notes for the episode and while we're there um while we're on what's the best way for listeners to learn more about peace of mind and, and possibly reach you absolutely yeah just uh they can find me on uh, linkedin rs toker t-o-k-e-r-a-r-a-s and uh and my email is rs at peaceofmind.us we have to be different uh, within the com, so we did that, that us uh cool. so and yeah so that's the and yeah peace of mind uh, website as well peace of mind us is our website and uh, they can check it out there's a lot of interesting content there as well but um love to chat with anybody's interested or they just want to chat about kind of future work digital health and and happy to kind of brainstorm i love talking about these subjects yeah, well, thank you for joining. It was uh, it was a pleasure. I wish I could have asked more questions, but you know we only have so much time. Yeah, we're gonna end it there. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a rating. Uh, Aras, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Alec, for the opportunity. I really enjoyed your questions and very thoughtful. And also, um, yeah, hopefully it helps some of the people that have been uh, you know wondering about these stuff, but also they hopefully they enjoyed uh, some of the insights that I shared here.